This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. If you can, would you just stand with me as we read mine? You're like, I've been standing so much, I know. And here's the reason why we stand is because we wanted to delineate this time from all the rest of the teaching as this is God's word, and you all don't stand very much and shout me down, so this is good. You stand and you, you, you respect God's word, and so this is, this is why we do this, because I want us to, to stand as a symbol of our respect to God's word. So we're going to read Mark 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great, and a great uh, windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Across all nine congregations in redemption every week, we're preaching the same passages. And I love what God is doing in redemption. That it, to, to think about all of you in this room and then to think about all of us across Arizona worshiping together, studying the same texts. And one of the things that has overwhelmed us as we've been studying this text together, even in our local context, in this local congregation, is If you're reading Mark and really studying this, what you end up seeing in Mark is that from the very beginning when Jesus comes in, he's making a big announcement. And this announcement is, I am king and this is what my kingdom is like. And he's calling all of those to repent and come into this kingdom. And and when Jesus' kingdom comes, A couple of things happen. First, you see what his kingdom is like. I love that part. Because wherever there's evil, wherever there's demons, what you end up seeing is those demons are driven out. Because when Jesus as king comes and his kingdom comes, all evil will be banished from this earth. Can you say amen to that? Where you see sickness, Jesus heals. And you've seen this all throughout. And that's why crowds are coming. Because they see all of this healing that Jesus does. Because that shows that Jesus is king over our bodies. And where his kingdom comes. And when his kingdom is fully here. There will be no sickness. Amen. So not only do we see what his kingdom is like. Jesus spends a lot of time trying to teach them. What the kingdom is like. All last week we went through 35 verses talking about parables that Jesus would tell about what his kingdom is like. He would say the kingdom is like this. And the reason why he would teach on the kingdom is because he wanted people to understand what the kingdom was for sure. But more than that, what he was showing through this teaching is that wherever his kingdom comes... The reason why it's so hard for us to understand his kingdom, which we saw last week, 
is because his kingdom is so different than the kingdoms of this world. Wherever Jesus would go, not only would he display his power and how his kingdom would work and teach about the kingdom, it would always confront and frustrate and irritate all the other kingdoms of this world. Now, if anybody's encountered Jesus and encountered his spirit's work even today, you can say amen to the fact whether wherever Jesus shows up in my life, he's always knocking down, frustrating, and irritating the systems and kingdoms of my life. And, and I would be worried if he didn't. If you have a clean little Jesus that fits into your life perfectly, I would say you've kind of made up a Jesus that you want to worship rather than worshiping the real Jesus. So wherever Jesus comes, he's going to attack the kingdoms of your life and remember last week he was in a boat teaching these parables to the massive amounts of crowds and what he was teaching last week was not only about what his kingdom is like but how the kingdom is received and i i want us to hear this before we go into this parable or this story that we were just talking about because many of us heard this last week and and it sunk in but i want us to grab a hold of this because he shows us that the kingdom comes by hearing by hearing and that most soils most of the soils do not hear and receive most reject and most turn away most of the crowd out there hears it and doesn't receive it and doesn't accept or belong or be in part of the kingdom but he shows us that the kingdom comes like a seed and that seed is the word and it comes into those who hear now why is hearing so difficult well i'll tell you why because when someone says something you're not really listening to what they say as much as basing what they say on who they are. Let me explain that to you. If somebody is like uh, smart, you immediately think everything they say because they're smart is smart. And if you hear something stupid, you're like, that was smart. You have a hard time believing that this start smart person could say something stupid. And so you're like, this person's smart, and so that must be smart. They could say whatever they want, and you're like, that's deep. That's deep. Take it to another step. If somebody's a joker, I've had this problem before. Everything you say they think is what? A joke. You say something serious, and they're like, ha, ha, ha. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm for real. She really did die. <laughs> no, 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 I'm for real. My grandma just died, for real. <laughs> Dude, now I'm getting angry, for real. I just went to the funeral. Oh, man, you got me on this last time. I ain't falling for this again. I'm in tears. They don't listen to me, right? Why? Because it doesn't matter what I say. They just know me as a joker. So whatever I say must be a joke. Another one of that is if somebody you know has done you dirty. In your eyes, they are just evil and wicked and manipulative. It doesn't matter if they come with the most sincerity and with tears in their eyes, they are apologizing up and down. In your mind, you're going, what's your angle? You ain't going to pull one over on me again. Why? Why? Because it doesn't even matter what they say as much as what you believe about who they are. 
And so when it comes to communication and when it comes to hearing, the reason why it's more difficult than just hearing what somebody says and going, okay, I heard that, it has more to do with what you think about them. And not only what you think about them, I'm going to confuse it even more. It has a lot to do with what you faced in the past. How many of you have made people pay for what you've experienced in the past because someone reminds you of something that, they, that happened to you and they weren't even involved with. So you hear it and you're going, this has happened to me before. It sounds a lot like what I've experienced in the past and I ain't going to let that happen to me again. And so what ends up happening is you're filtering it through all of your circumstances, all your past, all your experiences, and you're filtering what they're saying through, listen to me this, all the lies you're believing. So because you're believing a lot of lies, because you think everything you believe is true, and you have a gut feeling about something, everything they say is filtered through your experiences, your past, your upbringing, everything. Now to complicate it even more, there's other things in communication like body language, I mean, if you're, if you're in a relationship in any way, this is where it gets really confusing. Babe, I said you looked good. Yeah, but you, you twitched when you said it, you know. <laughs> Babe, I had an itch, you know. Yeah, you, you, you hurt my feelings. I said you look good, babe. Cry. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Don't cry, babe. Please don't cry. You look great. Fine. You know what? You don't look good. Forget you. <laughs> Stomp out. Communication is frustrating. Why? Because they're not even just listening to what they say. They're saying how you said it. They're not just judging who you are and what they've been through. They're judging the tone in which you say things. Communication is that difficult and, and we try to make it into something far more simple than that. But listen, it's not. So when Jesus says faith or the kingdom of God is received through hearing and he shows that most people three out of the four soils there's the hard soil there's the rocky soil there's the thorny soil three out of the four three-fourths of them are going to hear about the kingdom and not receive it when he says that he knows that the kingdom is received through hearing but hearing is far more difficult than you like to admit, and I like to admit. Why? A.W. Tozer says this, and I hope that you, that you believe this and understand what he's saying because this is going to set up our day. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. So what you think about in your minds when you think about God is what is most important about you. If you think God is angry, you think everything he speaks to us is out of anger. If you think God is like your dad, because you had a horrible father in the past. You think he's just like your dad, then all of a sudden, your heavenly father is being filtered through the lens of your earthly father, and everything he says is being filtered through that. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. 
Now, why do I say all of that before I go into this story? Because here's what I want you to remember. Last week, Jesus, last week, this was not literally last week. When I was preaching last week, we talked about all the stories he's telling about the kingdom. He's sitting in a boat. And that same day is what the passage says. After he gets done teaching, that same day he looks to them and says, let's go to the other side, and they start sailing to the other side. This is not weeks later or months later. This is the first time what they have heard and what they have been taught is being tested, and they fail. This is the same day. This is not months later down the road this is the same day they had just heard from jesus and now they're in the midst of this storm and a storm arises and jesus is at the bottom of the boat sleeping on a cushion and they're freaking out in the boat they're about to die and they go down and they say to jesus you don't care about us he gets up says peace not this one. Peace, be still. The storms stop. And he looks at them and says, why do you fear? Don't you have faith? And they're amazed by how much control he has over all the things of this world. That he could speak to the storms. They're amazed. And that's where the story ends. And here's what I want us to see in this story. Is not necessarily, wow, this is incredible. What is God wanting to show us about Jesus? What is this story trying to show us about Jesus? First is this. Jesus rests, responds, reviews, and reminds in the midst of the storm. Jesus rests, responds, reviews, and reminds in the midst of the storm. Now let me go and explain that. First is this, he rests. Now if we know anything about God, if we know anything about Jesus, he knew what was about to happen. He knows what's about to take place, but he goes down and falls asleep. So I do believe he was tired and needed some sleep. That's one element. But I, I mostly believe the reason why this story has made it here in the scripture is because God is trying to show us something about himself in the midst of the storm. Here's a statement I'm going to make that will excite some of you and frustrate most of us. God is not shaken or fearful or moved by what we are. His calmness in the midst of the storms of our lives is honestly frustrating to us. While we're panicking, while we're freaking out, he's sleeping, and that is frustrating. I wish my God would be a little more panicky right now. If we were honest, we would much rather have a God who looks as anxious as we are. But every time we're in the midst of freaked out situations, we look to God and He's chilling. It's like, God... You're not freaking? You're not worried about this bill? 
God, you're not worried about this? What's going on? How can you not? And what ends up happening while we're panicking and freaking out in the midst of the storm, when we see a God who is at complete rest in the midst of the storm, it actually doesn't cause us to question His strength. It causes us to question His care. I know you could stop this storm. You don't care about me. You don't care. So they go down into the boat and wake him up. And they're not like, hey, man, I know you could handle this. You're strong. We trust you. No, you're sleeping. It's tired. Can you go ahead? No, they go down and immediately they go, do you not care? You don't care about me. And this is where I fail often. When my kids do stuff like this to me or when anybody does this to me, I, am, I struggle with how Jesus responded here. I, I often will mostly respond. If I was in this situation, if I'm being honest and someone comes down and I'm sleeping, first of all, I'm grouchy. You know, I'm, grouchy. I'm in the midst of, a, of sleeping. And they come down and immediately they go, you don't care about me. What I would want to do is just go, listen. Uh, I don't care about you. <laughs> um, you're going to die. I mean, that, that's my, that's my angst. I, I mean, honestly, what I want to do is go, have I not proven myself to you? Jesus could have done this. Have I not proven myself to you over and over again? I've just healed so many people that crowds are going after me. I've cast out demons. I've, I've done all of these things. People are dropping their, 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 their beloved down roofs. They're breaking, they're, they're breaking the roof to get to me. I've done one thing after another right in front of your eyes. I teach you about the kingdom. I just, just today was telling you about how the kingdom of God comes and I pull you aside and explain to you everything about the kingdom when everybody else doesn't understand. I just told you today. He didn't do any of that. I mean, at that point, I'm going... I need some new disciples. <laughs> These ones were the wrong choice. But what he does is he doesn't even respond. He never defends himself. He gets up and his response is by walking out to the bow of the boat and speaking his word. Peace. Be still. And at that moment, all of nature, all that he created, all that he has ordained comes to complete peace. And it all stops. He shows who he is in the midst of their doubts. Instead of defending himself, he shows who he is. And then once that takes place, after he reveals his power and proves himself again, he looks at them and reviews. And here's what I mean by reviews. Like a good teacher who has committed to them as his disciples, he says to them, why were you afraid? This is, this is one of those questions that I can see why they didn't answer, but in the other way, how do you, what do you mean why you were afraid? I was about to die. Why were you afraid? Do you not have faith? 
Once again, he's using those moments in the midst of the storm to teach his disciples. Here's what I love about how Jesus uses the storms of our life to teach us. If we were honest in this room, most of all of us sat in a room and heard a teaching that day. And we're like, man, that was a good word. But we really didn't learn it until we failed it in the midst of a storm and God used it to teach us and say, look at, look at, look at your heart. It's easy to hear a message in here and to hear about the kingdom of God and go, man, that's how I want to live my life and then get in the midst of it and realize can't do it. I love how Jesus uses the storm to reveal himself, to show who he is, and then to teach them. And the last thing he does is he reminds them of how powerful he is by overwhelming him with how sovereign he is. This is amazing to me. The end of the story, the disciples are just like, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. I mean, we knew he was powerful, but I did not know he was this powerful. And they're overwhelmed by how glorious and sovereign he is. Now, here's, here's the amazing part of what we just saw happen here. What the disciples knew about Jesus was the most important thing about them. And in the midst of the storm, they, they forgot who he was, or they didn't believe in who he was. So I'm going to put four of these things. If you've seen us talk about these four G's, I'm going to use them because they have been transformational in my life. Because here is the reality. When I begin to face things in my life, what I have to do is not begin to look at the situations. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. I have to learn to focus on who God is and his character. Because what we learn in the midst of this story is it's not what I've heard about what he said because most of us in this room have heard what he has said it's not about hearing clearly or hear, and him articulating better because Jesus is a master communicator here's the reality of it when it comes down to God's word the reason why we don't believe God's word is because we don't trust him The reason why we believe God's word is because we don't believe his character. We don't believe in his strength and his power. So when we hear these things, here's what Jesus showed his disciples in the midst of his first. He said, you see this, Jesus is great. And if we believe Jesus is great, we don't have to be in control. Here's something you need to learn. When you have to control everything, it's not just a disorder, it's a disbelief. When you have to be in control of everything, you believe you're in control and God's not. Your constant manipulation of life and having to have everything in order and you're continually being overwhelmed and trying to manipulate situations, your non-stop need to be in control is not just a disorder, it's a disbelief. You don't believe that God is in control, so you have to. So when we are in our sin trying to control everything, 
we don't need to say, stop being in control and beat ourselves up. What we need to do is remind ourselves of who is in control. Jesus. Second is this. Jesus is glorious. And if you really believe Jesus is glorious, we don't have to fear our circumstances. Isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't go and saying, stop being scared. What he did is show them who they really need to be scared of. Look at the text. By the end of it, who are they scared of? They're scared of Jesus. What you see in the text is by the end, the Bible says, verse 41 says, that they were in fear of him, saying, who is this? Why? It reminds us of what Matthew says when Jesus looks at, his, at, his, at those that he's teaching and said, don't be scared of those who can just kill your body. Be fearful of the one who can not only take your body, but your soul. Why? Because when we come to this text and we just go, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, I, I can't be afraid, just don't be afraid, you end up getting more and more freaked out. What you need to do is see who is the one that really is deserving of my fear. Healthy fear is the beginning of all wisdom. Not ungodly fear, because we see both kinds of fear in this text. You see ungodly fear, fear of circumstances, and you see godly fear, fear of Jesus. So when we are freaking out and fearful, and we just sit around and go, I'm so stupid, why do I get scared so much? That's condemnation. Or you could sit around and go, I'm just lying to myself. It's not really this bad. It's not really this bad. That's false hope. It could be worse. And it might get worse. What do you need? You need real hope. You need to hear who Jesus is and how much power he has. Third thing is this, Jesus is good. And when you believe that Jesus is good, here's what you believe. He cares. He cares. If Jesus is great and powerful, that's awesome. But why would we want Him to be great and powerful if He's not good? Jesus is good. And in the midst of the storms, when we are going, He doesn't care about me. Why? Because He's not giving me what I want and He's done it's hard. And if He really cared, it would never be hard. Is that true? Moms know that's not true. Dads know that's not true. Sometimes I purposely put my kids through hard things. Because I'm a good parent. I think it's bad parenting to never let your kids feel the weight. I'm not saying all the weight, I'm saying knowing that sometimes in the midst of that they get to see who you are and I care. See, in the midst of this, what they didn't believe was that God was good. Jesus was good. They questioned His goodness. What they needed to be reminded of was His goodness. The last thing is, Jesus is gracious, so you don't have to prove yourselves. What I love about this text is, if I'm honest and everyone in this room is honest, we could go, oh, silly disciples. You all, you just heard, how stupid could you be? Why do you freak out? 
you're really honestly reading this text, you're going, that's me. I freak out every time a, a trial, every time a storm comes. I question every part of God's character. I look at him in the face and tell him he's not good. I'm them. And what I love about this text is that Jesus doesn't say, I need new disciples. Why? Because he's gracious. Not only did he call them to be his disciples, he promised them he would make them into who he wants them to be. This shows that this Jesus is gracious, so much so that they could question his goodness and he'll still teach them who he is. At the first service, I was sitting with my son. We were taking communion. We were talking about what we were learning. And we were overwhelmed by the fact how many times I've doubted God and how many times he's proven to me who he is like he has to keep proving himself to me. He doesn't. It's his graciousness that he continues to show me who he is. And that frees me to be his disciple because I don't have to be perfect. If there's anything I love about reading stories like this is going, I could be a disciple. I freak out like What we need to hear in the midst of storms is not, it's going to be okay, it's all going to go away, everything's going to change, or stop being scared and condemning ourselves. We don't need false hope and we don't need condemnation. We need Jesus to show himself. We need Jesus to use it to teach us. We need Jesus to take and show us what it is he wants to reveal us. And we need to know he's gracious and good and glorious and great. And what we learn in the midst of this is what he taught that same day. That the kingdom of God comes into our hearts by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. I hope that you grab a hold of this because faith has become a freak show in our society. And people are telling you that faith comes by you speaking. If these guys really had faith, they'd stand up on the boat and say, Peace be still to the storm." you don't get faith faith is not about you standing up and speaking faith doesn't come by your ability to talk it comes by hearing and when somebody says here's how you have strong faith you name it you claim it you blab it you grab it you 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 sow a seed to meet your greed here's what you do they don't understand faith they don't teach biblical faith What do you mean faith comes by hearing, Pastor? What are you talking about? What did Jesus say? They didn't even know. What did he say? Well, if you look at the first verse, he said it very clearly. He looked at his disciples and said, let us go to the other side. He told them they were going to make it to the other side. They just doubted it in the middle. And right in the middle of the storm, they doubted what he had said. And if they would have had faith in his word, why was he sleeping at the bottom of the boat? Because he knew what he said. He, they, he knows what he said. He rested in it. You see, in the middle of the storms of life, what we struggle with the most is hearing. And why? Why? Because the storm is often louder in his voice the seed comes quietly remember that they forgot the promise of god and if the reality is known what they began to doubt was not his word but his character 
What we have a hard time admitting in this room is when we're doubting what God promises, we're not doubting what he said. We're doubting his character, his nature, his ability. We're doubting him. And what we need to hear in the midst of this is that faith is not the absence of fear. Because a lot of people think someone who has really strong faith, they never get scared. It's not true. We don't see that faith is the absence of fear. What we see in this is faith is a healthy fear of the right thing. Faith is trusting in God and knowing that He is the one that's only deserving of our fear and that He is stronger and greater and more powerful than all of these things. And not only is this storm uh, uh, showing us a false kind of fear, but what we really need to be reminded of is who is the one we should fully respect and trust and fear. Church, as we approach a text like this, here's what I pray. First, I pray that you hear one of God's big promises in your life. And here's this promise. You're going to love hearing this. The Bible says, all of us who are in the kingdom of God will go through trials and storms and persecution and pain, and suffering. And if we hear that so clearly from Jesus over and over and over again, and all of his apostles, and all of his disciples, and all of the people of God throughout all of history, and they've seen this pattern over, why do we get so shocked when we go through hard times? Like Jesus promised we never would or something. Why? Because God promises storms and trials will come. But here's the power of storms and trials. God uses them to shape you. If all of us were honest, we actually learned the lessons that we know about God, not from him sitting about and teaching crowds, but from failing and him teaching us right there. And in the middle of storms, him looking at us and saying, I got you. Trust me. And him proving himself over and over again and us sitting there with our jaws dropped going, he did it again. <laughs> I don't know why I keep doubting you, God, I'm so sorry. I don't know why. And, and you just showed me today and I'm still, I'm struggling with this. And he never goes, I told you so. With Everything in us, we want to tell people, I told you so. When they don't listen to our counsel, what we want to do is, see, told you, I'm right all the time. Jesus looks at us and we're just jaw dropped. And he shows us by his goodness. Last thing is this. Faith and prayer does not always change our circumstances. But I'll tell you what it does do. It always changes your perspective on God and your perspective on what you're going through. 
So whenever you get in your mind, if I just have more faith, this will go away. You've already missed the mark. And if I get in my mind, if I just have more faith, or if I pray, then all this will be fixed. No, listen. God does heal. God does restore. God does calm storms. But what's the most powerful thing about all the things we're going through is when you see these disciples coming to him, it's not this always thing. And you know this. There's times we pray for a long time and the thing that frustrates us about God, I've come to you so many times and you're still chilling. Stop chilling and get a little freaked out. Right? Instead, when we come in prayer, how about if we come in a sense of going, God, show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. I've lost sight of your character. I've stopped trusting in your word. I'm starting to try to control things rather than believing you're in control. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to doubt your goodness. And what I need to be reminded of today is that you're the one who's deserving of my fear. You're the one who's deserving of my worship. You're the one who's deserving of my adoration you're good you're glorious you're great we need to be reminded of his character and that's why we come to this table that's why we sing these songs that's why we come and respond because at this moment what we're doing is not just sitting and doing a religious ritual we're singing about who god is we're remembering who he is why do we need to remember isn't it amazing that god says remember this all the time keep remembering keep doing why and those are i don't i this is such a religious ritual why do we always take communion because we forget i just said it and you forgot and what we need to be reminded of is we need the body and blood of jesus to even live and breathe and 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 survive we need this covenant and commitment with him and every time we're coming to this table we're remembering and we're re-establishing once again and we're thinking about his character in the cross he shows these four things he's good he's great he's glorious and he's gracious he's all of those things so when you take this, here's what you need to remember. What am I not believing about God? In the midst of the storm, what am I starting to look at and my focus is getting off Him? What are the things that I need to see about Him and let Him show you that in the cross? Let me pray and then we're going to come and take communion. We're going to sing and respond to the gospel. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your gloriousness. We thank You for all that You are, Father. And as we come to this table, we're reminded of this truth. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in the midst of storms in their lives. God, I pray today that you would show them who you are. And that they would be comforted and trust in you. That they would know that you are in control. That you are good. That they don't have anything to fear but you. God, I ask that there would be a sense of your Spirit's peace that come upon them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.